The Ain't No Guru Podcast with James Rankin. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You're listening to the Ain't No Guru podcast. My name is James Rankin. I'm a comedian and a mental health advocate. In this podcast, I talk about my own thoughts, but I also get to sit down with really interesting guests and talk about their stories and any sort of adversity they've had to overcome. This week, I got to sit down with the world's oldest performing comedian, Lynn Ruth Miller. This woman is incredible. She has done so many things in her 86 years of life and she's still kicking ass today. She's had a children's show. She's done numerous performances on TV. She's a painter. She is an author. She's published five books, the most recent of which we talk about in this podcast. She travels the world as a burlesque performer and a comedian, something which she started at 71 years of age. Most people are giving up at that time. Lynn is just incredible. She's fascinating. She's very inspiring. I hope you get a lot out of the interview. So please enjoy. So Lynn Ruth Miller, thank you very much uh, for joining me today in the podcast. So excited to see you and have a discussion. I'm delighted to be here. I'm just delighted to be here. And we had a little bit of trouble getting it started, but here we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this chat since we uh, organized it. So I'm well, delighted it could happen. You need, to, you need to tell me what you how you want me to begin, because 87 years is a lot of, we could be here for three months, you know, until <laughs> I was born. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, how are you doing? How are you handling the pandemic? Uh, surprisingly enough, I have enjoyed it. And the reason I have enjoyed it, haven't enjoyed all of it. In the beginning, I had the virus. So I wasn't too happy with things then. I had a right. very, very mild case. I had a very mild case. But I lost my sense of, of, of smell and taste. Otherwise, I would not have known that I had it. So mm -hmm. I was sick, all told, for a month. And the interesting thing is, the last week in February, I went to Newcastle and I was having trouble breathing. Right. I thought it was because I was used to smoke. And I, and I went to a Houston station. I asked for help because I actually could not drag the suitcase with wheels. I couldn't do it. And she said, oh, she said, it's the air. Everyone's got it. That was the virus. And we didn't know. Right. We like, yeah. Um, but um, so what you don't know and nobody knows is that when I was 36, uh, I had a, a complete physical breakdown, which I've always believed was in my head, but the doctors didn't think so. And my body fell apart. So when I got out of the hospital that time, and that was mm -hmm. four months, and then I went back, I had a relapse for two months. And then instead of going back, they sent me to Henry Ford Hospital for another month. It was awful. But when I decided to heal myself, which is another story, but I just... It, it took me, I figured out I was 36 when the thing happened. I was 48 when I was able to leave Toledo. I was an invalid then for 12 years. Not 12 really years. an invalid. I was not bed bound, but I lived the life of lockdown. 
Mm-hmm. I had, at that time, I had uh, two dogs. And I walked my two dogs miles and miles. And I painted pictures. I don't know if you can see, but I paint. Um, yeah. And I wrote stories. And I had just about zero friends. I was living in a trailer court. I'm trailer trash. I'm trailer <laughs> trash. Um, and uh, they were lovely, lovely people, but they weren't people that I had anything in common with uh, at all. Yeah. Um, so they were really lovely, but I never, you know, would have met them for lunch or had them over for dinner. Nothing like that. They were they were lovely people. I liked my neighbors, but it was it. So I had pretty much a lockdown life for twelve years. So all I did was after the shock, and then I was sick. So I was in for the. I was only actually in bed with the flu uh, for a week, not even a week, for about three days. So um, so there was that shock there. And then I just adapted because I lived that way for 12 years. Yeah. And I, I know uh, there are devices that you need to, to do when you're in a situation like lockdown. For example, you have to give your day structure. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know that. They think, oh, nothing to do. You yeah. give yourself structure. You eat at a particular time. You get up at a particular time. Exactly. You need to do it. You need to give yourself, uh, I believe in exercise. So mm-hmm. I walk twice a day. So I got myself, but, but it was just sort of like back in the saddle again. I had done it yeah. for 12 You had years. the experience already. Yeah. So it was not terrifying. What I did miss. And this is interesting because I live alone, but um, people are very affectionate with old people. And I like that. You know, everybody kisses me, especially in London. Maybe not so much in Berlin, but London, they, they all kiss little old ladies hello and goodbye. I mean, I'll have people yeah. kiss me. I don't even know them. Excuse me, would you tell me your name? They just, they do. And, and uh, so there was nobody here. And that was difficult. That yeah. was difficult. Um, but there's a man named Rob Mayhew. And we always say, oh, yeah, remember that was the night you gave me COVID. Because I was with him the last day before I, I hibernated, before I did lockdown. And I had it at that time, but I didn't know it. But he would come over and he still, I was at his house last night. He, he would come over every Friday. And, and, and so I got to meet someone. But I didn't get any yeah. hugs or any. And, and yeah. And I believe that single people uh, without any living thing suffered the most from this. For sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to have a connection. And I had none. And I have no family. So uh, so there was nothing like, uh, let's, uh, I'll, I'll sit, I'll, I'll talk to you from the window. You know, they used to do that. Yeah, they, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't have anything like that. What I did have is there's a website called next door do you know about that website i don't know about oh, that website it's, no. it's, it's worldwide and your neighbors you join it with your you put your postcode in mm-hmm. and your neighbors and the, and that's how i got my shoppers and now both my shoppers are really good friends they're really good friends uh, that's really good initiative then yeah. so i had that so i actually had human contact but for me and I wrote about this, James. And when we finish, now that we're on, on uh, we're on uh, uh, email, I'll send you the essay I wrote because it hasn't been published. To do, they made a blanket statement that people over seventy 
or as good as dead. And that's right. Yeah. yeah. And that and really wouldn't have gone down well with you. I don't no, think. it did not go down well at all. But the thing you have to understand is I was reading this book by this physician and he was saying, when I examine a five-year-old or a six-year-old, you know, just giving them a physical, the results that I'm putting down on the piece of paper for each kid is very similar. Similar blood pressure, similar uh, blood work, similar everything. But when I examine people over 70, they are so different because we age at such different rates, such completely different rates that, that we're all very different. So to make a blanket thing and say everyone over 70 is at risk, with people like me, um, how do I explain it? My horizon, my horizon, in other words, how long I'm gonna be here, uh, is closer than yours. You know, everybody, I mean, for example, my nephew just died, I still can't believe it, was 53 and he died. So you never know when you're gonna go. I, you never know. But mine is definitely closer than yours, even though it might not be. Tomorrow you can go out and get hit by a truck. But but yeah. but in terms of, of what I can plan as my foreseeable future, it's closer. Mm -hmm. And they took me, they took away six months of what has been feeding me for the last yeah. 16 years. They decided for you in a way, didn't that's they? That's right, but they took away, and that's paternalism. And I don't think people realize how very ageist we all are. You simply do not realize that I am ageist. Mm -hmm. I hate to admit it, but I am. I live in a yeah. building that's called sheltered housing. And, the, and there um, I would, the 66 flats here, of that 66, I would say that 60 are single old men from 65 to 91. Leon is 91. Uh, I don't know. I've gotten to know more of them now that, now that we've had lockdown, but I didn't know any of them. But yeah. um, I look at them and they're, and, and they're, most of them are 10 years younger than I. They move here when they're 65 and most of them, because I'm 87, so about. So they were there. And I look at them and they're not living their lives. They have decided, they're not living a life. They have mm -hmm. decided they're too old. They've yeah. decided it. They could do more, but they've decided I can't do any more. So That's right. Television. I decided I'm not going to stop. I made that decision. But in my head, when I see these little old men, these little old men are 10 years younger than I am. I treat them like little old men. Well, can I help you up the steps? You know, that kind of yeah. thing. I'll carry yeah. your packages. That's Take the groceries. Yeah, true. But they, well, I, I did some research on you and you did say that how you age is definitely a choice that you get yes. to make. Yes. These people have not made that choice. They don't. And I think it's that they don't realize they have options. Um, mm -hmm. So I find in myself, I find in myself lots of things. For example, uh, uh, I, I, I'm very vain. I, like, I love dressing. I, ha, ha, ha. But when I look in the mirror now, I am not happy with what I see. And my, mm -hmm. because my generation did not think this was acceptable. And yeah. you and people throughout the world are so terrified of the visible aging. They are so terrified of it. I don't know if you're aware of the immense 
immense increase in plastic surgery, not just for women, for men as well. I'll never forget my dentist who decided to have his eyelids, his no, under his eyes fixed. I'm not, yeah. Why are you doing that? Just because and men are having plastic surgery as well. Oh, a lot of people are doing it now with the eyes because of the mask, actually. There's been a new increase oh, I because realize. now the eyes are the yes. only thing visible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I can't wear a mask because I have emphysema. I was a smoker and right. I, can't, I can't wear a mask. However, when I went to France, uh, in one place it was all right, but at the railway station, the guy said, not in France, you're going to wear it anyway. So yeah. I held it out because I can't breathe with it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but but yes, it's a lot of but it's a lot of um, it's 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 a, a, a an emphasis. If you read the ads, I don't know how many ads I get all the time for anti aging cream. Yeah. That and and what I am hoping is that people who are doing what I'm doing, and I'm not alone, James. There are many many. I'm very visible. But there are many, many people my age who are leading very active, productive lives. Productive mm -hmm. is the key word. Uh, yeah. Many of them will say to me, well, we play golf every day and we go on cruises. And we that's not productive. I started a new career when I was 70. There's no excuse. Hmm. There's no well, it's, very, it, it's kind of interesting, too, because people are the same age as you. But then I also know a lot of people in like my age, which is you know 35 years old, who's still afraid to try career at this age, though. They say, oh, well, I can't start now. Well, I started when I was 30. I became a journalist. I was a mm -hmm. teacher. I had a master's degree in journal uh, in uh, education. Um, and then when I was 30, I got a master's degree in journalism. And then um, and then when I was 60, I 60, I started writing books. I started writing. I decided I, was, yeah. I decided it was going to be a novelist. Um, reinventing yourself is terribly important. There's a book uh, by Betty Friedan, and I'm not going to recommend it because it's the most boring book. But Jesus, but what she says is terribly important. She says the problem is that people are terrified of aging, terrified. And so what they do is they try to keep the same pace, do the same activities, expecting the same results when they're 60, that they got when they were 20. And right. she puts it this way, we've got to play different games. And I, yeah. I, and I thought about that and I thought, yes, she's right. Because I too, um, I, 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 I believe in, in working. I mean, I work, uh, but, but why do we have to do that? Mm. I, why do we really have to work like that? I've, I, I, she was the one and it was Adrian Rich that made me realize that capitalism is 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 fundamentally putting people into slavery. Yeah, they're born into that. debt, and they're trying to fix it from that moment. Really, that's right. Chasing and our tails, and socialism is becoming so paternalistic. I read what did I read that, and I think of myself as left politically, mm -hmm. and then I read somewhere that they said that people who are really left, very left don't believe that human beings have the capacity to make their own decisions. That's the reason why we have this fucking lockdown. That's yeah. why we have safety belts. I mean, why can't we decide whether we want to wear a safety belt or not? I went yeah. through the windshield of a car. I know what it's like. 
I'm going. <laughs> I've had my lesson. For my, if I'm driving, which thank God I don't do anymore, but believe it or not, you don't miss it when you give up driving. I drove. Oh, really? No, I, I drove love driving. I don't miss it, except when I go to the grocery store because yeah. I can't carry everything. But uh, you, 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 where was I in all this? You, 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 um, free choice. Yes. We can't decide for right. ourselves. You, you, you can't, I'm going back to the original thing. You can't expect the same result. When I, now that I'm 60, if I'm involved in, oh, the walk I take, Google says it's going to take 20 minutes. It's not going to take me 20 minutes. It's going to take me 25. Yeah. I expect that. Uh, I, I love the idea of hula hooping. Well, I can't. <laughs> I've tried it. I can't. Uh, you have different, but I still like exercise. So I walk. Right. You, 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 the, there are things, as you grow older, there are things you can't do that you used to be able to do. But there right. are things you can do that you couldn't do before. I have a lot of perspective. We were talking about this before we started recording. I get along with people who differ from me yeah. a lot more, um, a lot easier than I did when I was your age. I mean, I accept that each quality that I like in a person has a backside. And the mm -hmm. backside is going to be something I don't like. If you're yeah. spontaneous and you're effervescent and you're ready for adventure, you're going to be unreliable. You're going to be um, uh, not. You're going to be not stick to one thing. You're yeah. you're, you're going to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> to put it blunt. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but if you like that, that that wonderful spontaneity, it's you just accept that that person is never going to be on time for a date. Yeah, it's going to come with its downsides. You no, know, sure. it comes with the territory, and you know that. I can accept that. I can also, this was hard for me. I do not get into arguments anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, people, people raise their voice to me. I know uh, I'm not going to win. I turn yeah. around and walk away. I, yeah, I've started doing that a lot too is, myself. Is, you must. You just... Yeah. You walk away. You're not going to win. You're not going to. There's no such thing as winning anyway. You're not going to change their mind. And if they're all heated up, they're not going to listen to any kind of reason. No. That, for you to stoop to their level, you've lost the war. Walk yep. away. Very I true. do that now. If I could have done that in my marriage, I might still be married. Hmm. But when I was younger, I fought back. Yeah. I don't fight back. It's okay. Hmm. I lost. Yeah, move on. Uh, and, Next thing. And, and knowing, knowing that there are options as you get older. I know just how you feel in, in my 30s. I was desperate to get a job in journalism. Just desperate. And my thinking was what you're thinking. My God, if I don't get established now, everybody got established in journalism in their 20s. Yeah. I do this now, I'm done. I didn't. And I wasn't mm -hmm. done. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, what would you say to someone sort of struggling with that at, at uh, any age, really, of, of changing careers or uh, just trying to be brave with something new, these sort of things that, that, that fear overtakes them? You have one life. 
The only thing you're in control of is your life. You mm -hmm. think, all of us think, oh, I've got to do this for him and I've got to do them for that. And I've got my parents are this and my parents are that. Your life is the only thing. That's all. You don't yep. have to do anything. One of the interesting things um, is I have a very um, difficult sister who um, was very active in trying to hurt me and deprive me of anything uh, family-wise, uh, money, okay. uh, privilege, uh, support. I mean, active and deliberately trying. Was that younger age or eight years, eight recently? Years a little bitch. Well, she's not a little bitch. She's a big fat bitch. But anyhow, really horrible, <laughs> horrible. Yep. And I would all. And when my parents died, because she was the baby, mm -hmm. I felt I had an obligation to keep a connection. And my niece, who who was party to all this, she said to me, "Aunt Lynn," she said, "Why don't you just divorce her?" And I thought, "Oh, I never thought of that." And I have done that. She has not divorced me. Uh, she still uh, uh, sends me messages on Facebook and, and things like that. But I divorced her when I was yeah. like 53 or 54. And once I did that, I didn't have that thing inside me being angry at everything she did. Yeah. And resenting and resenting everything she accomplished. That's her problem. Good. Do it. You were free from it. I was free from it. You've yeah. got to. So you have this one life. And the hardest thing of all, particularly with relationships, James. You're in a relationship. I happen not to believe in marriage. Of course mm -hmm. I don't. I had two divorces. They were a mess. Uh, I don't believe in marriage. I believe that two people, as long as they're growing together, great. Why do you need a piece of paper? But eventually, one's going to go this way and one's going to go that way. Not always. And when it works, yay. But when it doesn't yeah. work, when this starts happening, you've got to have the courage to say, we're not happy together anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the one thing you must realize and everyone must realize is we make our own happiness. That's so hard. It's not where you live. It's not your mom and your dad. It's not your partner. It's not that bastard in the flat downstairs. No, it's you. It's yep. how you're looking at what's happening to your life. Yesterday mm -hmm. was a very, very bad day for me, but I'm smart enough to know it's the way I was looking at that day. Yeah, your perception. That's it. How you react. That's right. Yeah. And if and and if you want to wallow in self pity, treat yourself. Wallow in it, but know yeah. you are the cause. That's it. I don't have a lot of patience for people who like to wallow. Sometimes I'm too harsh, but I just, I, oh. I like to look at the solution. Let's look That's at right. solutions. Let's talk. Yourself. Let's plan. What can I do about it? And you begin to chip away at it. Yeah. There is no such thing as failure. I, uh, when I talk like in my Frida thing, I don't know whether you saw the Frida video that I have a crush on Lynn Ruth Miller. It's, it's a free to be. Oh, yes, I did say that. Yeah. 6.2 million hits. <laughs> and one other thing in that I keep saying, I was, I'm a failure. And the way I say it is exactly uh, right. I, I've accomplished a lot. I don't look like a failure to you, but I failed at the things that I've been doing. Well, that's the wrong thing to say. I didn't mm -hmm. fail. I experienced it. It didn't come out the way I expected. Right. But something else happened. Exactly.
something. I, 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 well, one of the things that happened uh, when I went to Oklahoma City is I ended up uh, traveling in a travel trailer around Southwest United States. It was the best thing in the world. And it was because, in essence, I failed in Oklahoma City. I got fired. Hello. And I, yeah. I thought, okay, now what? And I did that. That's why it's important to make a move rather than just being standing still and waiting for the perfect plan. Like I got into comedy from music. I wasn't very good at music, but I, I got my confidence on the stage to try comedy. And then that was home for me. But if I didn't make that mistake, if I didn't take a step in any direction, I wouldn't have been on course to where I am now. What kind of music? The guitar? It was, uh, like, uh, poetry rap sort of trip hop music. But that's lovely. And eventually it was was good. Yeah. But I wasn't, I had definitely a ceiling. I wasn't that great at it. I had a lot of fun, a lot of great memories, but I have no regrets. And it's once it led me to comedy, that was, that was it for me. No, there's no reason why you have to be best at anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been doing this now for 16 years. I'm still nowhere near where I want to be. Yeah. People that just begin think, Oh, She's wonderful. The people mm. that have been doing it for 30 years look at me and go, mm. Yeah, mm. being there, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's one of the best things about comedy. It's like you'll never really touch the no, ceiling you never of your own it. ability. Uh, and, but that's why I was talking about the going back to the first question. They, I was kept from doing what feeds me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was awful. And I had my first on stage gig last Saturday. And I was rusty uh, because I hadn't done it. I, I'm right. sure you remember, I always end with a zinger. with a, mm-hmm. yeah, And I couldn't remember what it was. I ended with, um, they gave me a light and I said, are you telling me that I don't have much time left? I know I don't have much yeah. But yeah. that wasn't the ending that was supposed to be. The ending that's supposed to be is, you know, uh, oh, I've got two of them. One is let's, let's hear it for women. Um, and I go into a whole thing about I would get so much more if I were a man, but if I were a man, I would be a cunt. And that's how I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know that. Ah, <laughs> um, and it's a good ending, but I didn't remember it. And um, uh, and I, but I did two sets, and that's another thing. I have about three hours of material, but I did the same set um, upstairs and downstairs because. I was too rusty to branch out into something new. Yeah. I didn't have all the things together. Now I could do it. Now I would do a a different set each time. But um, the the, the important thing, so so lockdown, as I said, moved my horizon. My horizon was was closer than yours uh, in in essence. Yeah. and, and, And this lockdown, which was unnecessary for me, because A, I had the virus, so mm-hmm. I'm virtually immune for a couple months anyway. And yeah. B, I have the energy. But it did me no good because I didn't have my audiences. Yeah. Yeah, and the live comedy, it's it's great. But if you don't get that post-show hanging out with other comedians and the audience, then you also lose that connection that, that's oh, it's terrible. right after a and show. And when you're doing jokes... People say there are two parts to a joke, set up, punch. There aren't, there are three. Set up, punch, laugh. And yeah. when you do it on Zoom. 
Ah, it's horrible. I, I didn't do many of those shows because I just, it just felt so, I felt like a beginner, a useless hack uh -huh. beginner. Uh-huh. Uh because -huh. you're not getting the audience response. The thing, yeah. when I looked, they, they were really wonderful at Top Secret and, and they taped us, which is unbelievable. It's a gift to get a tape of, of what you did. And I what I noticed is, boy, I did a lot of audience connection. And, mm -hmm. and of course, on Zoom, you can't do that. You can't oh. look at someone and say, does that happen to you? Or yeah, I, do exactly. thing, I do a thing about how now that I'm so old, um, mornings are, are go on forever. <laughs> now, it takes me forever to get dressed. And so I said to this one kid, how long does it take you? Because when I was young, I got dressed in five minutes. I was ready to go out. Yeah, and just roll out the door, really. Yeah, and this guy said to me, 35 minutes, so I was having a good time with what do you do? You know, what are you washing? And, yeah. Um, what's going on with you? And and the audience so anxious for a laugh. And, of course, every time they laugh, they're spreading that virus all over because nobody's wearing masks. That's it. Uh, people are very afraid, and I am very upset. And what's the word I want? I am not happy about what this 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 reaction to the virus has caused. Mm -hmm. Because people always, from time immemorial, have always been afraid of what others think of them. But now we're just plain afraid of others. Yeah, full stop. What's it doing in, in Germany? It's not that way at all. Nobody's wearing masks. No, everyone's wearing masks in shops and transport. Uh, so it's been pretty well respected, but it's a party capital, Berlin. People want to go and party, and the virus can spread spread quite easily here. Uh, well, so is London. Yeah, yeah. And central London has totally collapsed. It's empty. You go down downtown, and it used to be thousands of people. Now yeah. there's hardly anyone, and people have. But in, there are some good things that have happened. I think families have either been reinstated or else they murdered each other. That's the yeah. other thing that I'm concerned about. Uh, in London, particularly in, in England, there's been a tremendous upsurge of domestic abuse. And, yeah. we, and you know, people don't realize, they say the, the, these upper middle class women, do you know what a Karen is? Yeah, Karen of course. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're all Karens and they all say, well, we have a phone number for them. If you've ever been abused, and I have, you think you can get to a phone? Yeah. You think you can get to a door to get out? No, They're you're really trapped. Out of you. you can't do anything but duck if you're lucky. And especially, I remember the guy that was beating me, he was so much bigger than I, that I could have beaten him with my fist and he wouldn't have even felt it. And you, you can't. And, these, and then you've got children there. The, the the domestic abuse it's it's a it's like the most fertile ground for these these insecure people because people who are abusers are insecure to just vent their rage on the nearest human being and that the, the human being can't get away and then you do things like oh we'll help you well where are they supposed to go people are afraid where are they supposed to go people are terrified of each other now. If you fall on the street, it's a little better now. But in the beginning, you fell on the street, nobody would pick you up. So it's um, so I am terrified with what 
the reaction has done um, uh, to, to human communication and, inter- and interaction. Uh, and, and, and I think it's fostered insecurity. It's fostered a self-doubt. Uh, and it also, so that's, a, that's what, so I'm very anxious for all of this to lift. But on the other hand, you know, I don't want people to die. But I remember, we talk about this a lot too. I remember we had a polio epidemic in America. It didn't shut down. It didn't shut down um, the world. And polio, polio was not like this in that with polio, you definitely got lame. Do you know anyone that's had it? Because I know someone from the, 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 there was an epidemic in the 50s and then there was one, I think, in the 40s or 30s that he wanted to be a dentist and it permanently uh, harmed his the muscles in his hand. And he had a post-polio reaction and he's dead also and shouldn't be Tommy. But Tommy, I have to say that he was in his, well, um, he would be in his early 80s. My nephew that died when he was 53, God knows what. I, that, that, that's horrible loss of life. But, but this is the thing. People don't realize that life can go like this. But those are the two things that I've learned is life always can go like this. And if your life is going like that, only you, only you can change it. It might always be like that. Sorry, Lynn, looks like we just had a connection uh, issue there. But it gives me a chance to talk about something else. I was doing a bit of research on you, and I see that, yeah, two honours degrees, you taught as a professor, you had your own children's show on CBS, you're a painter, uh, a columnist, an author, five books, and no, you're most... more than that, 16 altogether. 16 is okay, then I didn't do my good research at all. Yeah, no, no, wanted... about 16, but only five published. Yeah, I want to talk to you about the last one a bit later as well. And then, uh, comedian, burlesque, traveling world. I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, what the hell drives this woman? <laughs> um, first of all, I'm alone, I'm alone. Mm. Uh, I don't have to uh, cook for someone, clean for someone. Um, I don't have any responsibility except the responsibility of to myself. This is not yeah. something I want to have wanted to happen, but it did. Uh, and I discovered, well, I have to say with everything, I've always loved what I was doing. And that is the motivation. You know, people say to me, what pushes you? It's wanting to do more of what I'm doing but really wanting to. And remember, there's nobody here. I can't say, uh, well, um, can you um, help me do this? If mm-hmm. I'm going to do it, I got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, my friend, uh, Columba Corbett, wonderful woman uh, who had an art ex- exhibition and she had uh, nine kids. Every one of her children came to the art ex- exhibition and all the husbands and wives of those children brought their families. She had like 500 people. She sold out. I have an exhibition of no one. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. 
And so I've got to push, I've got to do it. And if I want my paintings to be exhibited, I've got to do the work that, that yeah. them, picks them up. Nobody's going to help me take it. Nobody's going to help me put them up there. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to take the money. I'm going to have to do the whole thing. So you have to really love. So one of the things I do is I do not exhibit. Because I like painting. And we talked about this. There's 24 hours in the day. And eight of them, I sleep, eight of them. Um, we've got the rest of them. What's that? That's uh, 16 left. Isn't mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. And, and, and you're going to eat it and you're going to do other things. So um, I want to use it to what I want and what everyone wants. I call it homeostasis. Loving where you are. I am happy with my life. Mm -hmm. When I wake up in the morning, which is always a surprise, but when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> I got lots to do. Yeah. And it's all stuff I want to do. Mm -hmm. Or which it's is, yeah, stuff, it's amazing. Or it's stuff making what I want to do happen. Yep. Because you self organize all your tours to Asia and things like right. that. It's it's all you, isn't it? That's right. For the most part. Because I don't have an agent. Because agents don't think I'll live long enough to make money. That's the truth. And, yeah. and um, that's okay uh, because I'm in control. Yeah. And um, I've self-published my books. Mm -hmm. I was originally, I did have a publisher. That's very funny. For the very first book, uh, Starving Hearts, which is about anorexia, I uh, did have a publisher, but he wanted all the rights for 10 years. And I was 68 by the time I found the publisher. And um, and I thought, oh, no, 78, I'll be dead. No, I'm not going to do that. And of course, yeah. that's almost 10 years ago. Yeah, that, that, mm. I'm, I've lived 10 years longer. But um, uh, you, and also, I think I'm a control freak. I think people that have eating disorders are. Yeah. I'm a control freak. And I like that I'm in control. I... Once I did that first self-publication, which was Starving Hearts, which paid for every book I published after, I knew then that the only way for me, it doesn't have the prestige, but the only way for me is self-publishing. Mm -hmm. Because I, because when you publish with a publisher, they don't think you're as important as you do. Absolutely so, not. Yeah. Yeah, so they don't make a big effort for you. So you've got to do that yourself, mm. and uh, but you've got to want to, and and which goes right back to we were in the midst of relationships. I don't believe that we're meant to live with someone for sixty years. I mean, I can't even live with a pair of knickers for five. <laughs> Why don't we? What are we doing? Um, yeah. But we're at a we're, but but so social social uh, uh, customs makes us think. It's wrong after you've been with someone for 20 years to leave. Yeah, but it's a myth. Different people at the end of 20 years, you owe it to each other. Yeah. If you've changed apart, then just sticking together for the sake of it isn't. And the other myth is that only a small percent fail and a majority make it, but it's the reverse, actually. You can make it for lifetime partners. It, it happens, but it's not as often as people who just divorce or stay together unhappily. I, I just got a, a letter because I'm doing promotion for the book, so I'm hearing from people I haven't heard from in a long time. And mm -hmm. I have a wonderful friend who said, yes, I'm still with Darwin, but we're just friends. It's time to leave. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no excitement there. There's no interest. It's time to leave. Uh, yeah. We have trouble. Everyone's afraid of the unknown. And maybe that's the thing, James. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, okay. Why do you think that is? Well, because they've got a lot tied up in the present. I don't. They've got okay, the children, yeah, they've got age, the husband, yeah. they've got the house they own, they've got all that. What if I have of worries? Mm-hmm. And I've lost it already. There is one of the things that I have said is there's absolutely nothing in life other than murder that I haven't really gone through once. So I, I, I'm coping because yeah. I've done it before. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I'll figure out a way. And it may not be what I want, but it'll be a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I mean, people say, well, I'm a survivor. Well, I don't think I'm a survivor. I think I'm, um, I like to say I'm an entrepreneur with life. Yeah. I'm making it That's happen. That's a nice, nice Yeah, term. an entrepreneur with life. Um, mm. And I look at the possibilities. When we had the lockdown, aside from the fact that I sort of slipped into my old routine, I started learning that when you do a Zoom comedy, not nearly as satisfying, but it's a different technique as well. Yeah. And your comedy, as a matter of fact, would adapt very well to it because you tell stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Adapt. It doesn't feel like it, though, because you're not hearing the laughter. No, I don't enjoy it. I just, yeah, I didn't oh, do a lot does. of it. No, it, it's true. It's, it's awful. But, yeah. but once you get started on it and once you learn, I, I shouldn't say, I don't want to say I don't, I, I want to say to you, I don't love it. Yeah. But I'm an egomaniac anyway, and I'm sitting there looking at myself <laughs> yeah. telling a story. And, 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 I, and I like doing it mm-hmm. because I don't want to lose this thing I discovered 16 years ago. It's right. 17. Uh, and, and if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Do you think it was those 12 years from when you're 36 to 48? Do you think... Uh, that was really made, gave you that hunger then to do as everything you've ever wanted to do? Like, do you think that contributed a bit, feeling have, like you were stuck for a I while? I haven't thought about that. I have always, do you know what hubris is? Hubris, false mm. pride, I've got it. I've yeah. always believed, because remember, I was beaten down by my family all the time. So, there are two ways to go when you're beaten down by your family. One is to accept it and say, yeah, no good. And the other is to say, no, no, you don't see how great I am. I know this has just been ever since I was a little girl. No, I'm really good. And I really wasn't. But I thought, no, no, I can do this. And I really mm-hmm. couldn't. But I said, yes. And, and then I stumbled and fell. And I thought, okay, try again. So it's been the pattern of my life. Yeah. And during those 12 years, I never stopped writing. I never stopped applying for jobs. I never got one. I finally did after 12 years. Yeah. I, I never stopped believing I could better the situation I was in. That's the other thing. I've never been, there's a danger in being too complacent. Mm-hmm. When you're earning enough money, you've got the wife or the husband that you want and uh life is comfortable, you're pretty complacent. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm not going to rock the boat. I would like 
to do a career in music, but I'm not going to rock the boat. I've got a good thing going here. And then after 10 years, the good thing gets to be the same old, same old, and you haven't done anything mm -hmm. to open up a new, a new avenue. Yeah. I've never been complacent because I've never been there. Is that why you have so much energy and spark? Like I know a lot of people, a lot of different ages. And besides like my seven-year-old niece, I think you've got more energy than all of them, right? <laughs> I don't think of it. I, it's, people say that to me. I mean, I just met my darling friend, Richard, who is nine years younger than I. And he said, where do you get your energy? Mm -hmm. It's because life hasn't beaten me down. I see new things I can do. Yeah. I mean, now well, I've got- you're open book. to new things. I think that's key. I've got a new book now. I've got to start promoting it. And I can't promote that book the way I used to promote my books because I don't have any, any hard copies. So yeah. now I'm thinking, what can I do? I'm going to try to find book clubs. I'm mm -hmm. going to write, see whether I can get them interested in the book. Yeah. I will probably have a like a 5% success. I mean, mm. that Frida thing and still shocks me. Six million. The six amount of point hits. Two. Now it's 6.2 million. Mm. And I'm thinking in that 6.2, you know, it's called I Have a Crush on Lynn Ruth Miller. Yeah, in I saw it. I watched a few videos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in you could put in the comments there too, by the way. You could comment yeah, under yeah. that video with the link. Or oh, you did it already. Yeah, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands. Uh, and I get things on Facebook all the time. You know, I want yeah. to walk to you. No, you don't. You want to grow up to be you. Um, but they, uh, uh, the, the thing is that of that 6 million point two, six point two million, my two husbands, my mother, my father, my sister, were not among those who had a crush on me. And yeah. I believe... That's what makes me keep going for the next thing. Yeah, I am not. I am not afraid of death, but I have a lot to do. I've got mm -hmm. to promote the book. Um, the book is called. Shall we talk about the book? A yeah, tell us about the book, the book please. The book is called uh, "Getting the Last Laugh." Getting the last laugh. It's a great is, name. And there is a cover of me. Uh, there's a cover of me holding a little Irish dog, a little mm -hmm. uh, on the cover. There was another publication. This is another example of my false starts that was supposed to be out December 19th. And December 17th, they withdrew the contract. But they sent out um, pre-order books. And that is online. But don't get it. It's called The Last Lap. Yeah. Different cover as well. And it's a different cover. It's me and a feather boa, and it costs more. Don't get that. <laughs> uh, it's getting the last laugh. And what it is, is it answers, it shows you all, instead of telling you how I made this career. And for someone like you, there's a whole chapter that is a set. And it says, when this joke doesn't work, I do this. Oh, nice. this, yeah. And there is also a whole chapter on a tour I created. Very interesting. So that you can say, mm -hmm, I can, I can create this career mm -hmm. because it tells you the names of the people that helped me. Yeah. So you can find it. So it's good for that. It also tells you uh, because there's a tremendous problem with Facebook. You go on Facebook and you say, gee, all these people are succeeding. 
and everything. And I'm failing at everything. Yeah. Oh, because you don't see what it took for them to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Like the iceberg. Book, in this book, it tells you what it took to get there. Yeah. And I don't think it's just relevant for anyone who's interested in comedy. I think it's an inspirational story across the board. But I hope so. I hope mm -hmm. so. It's yeah. the one that says, I've always wanted to sing. Well, why the fuck don't you? Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, it. Well, You're the only one stopping you. Well, they're not going to listen at first. Uh, one of the wonderful stories uh, that goes right back to what we talked to in the beginning. As you get older, you're playing different games, just but you're expecting the same result. There's mm -hmm. this man, and I don't know his name, but he's in a book with me. Uh, the, the book is called The Age of Happiness, and he's in that book. Um, he had terrible back problems, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, we need to do some extensive surgery. And he said, I still can't believe this, but it's true. He said, I'm not going to do surgery. I'm going to take up ballet. And the doctor said, you're going to kill yourself. He said, no, I'm going to take up ballet. And he did. And it took him 10 years. But now he's dancing with major companies. So when people hear that, they're thinking that they're seeing a Rudolf Nergeyev or whatever his name is. No, they're not. This is an old man who's doing the kind of dancing he can do, which yeah. is leaping all over the place. It's what he can do. And he's yeah. in an opera very often called Der Flatermouse, which has, I think it's the, the jailer, which I don't think he, he does anything but just sort of walk back and forth. Mm -hmm. But he's doing it. Yeah, he's uh, I have another friend who is a very extreme comedian. And she's so extreme that she's scary. But she figured out there's a place for what I can do. And yes. she's... And she has found it in outrageous films and outrageous, where not like you and I going up mm -hmm. and doing the open mics and the stand up. Because yeah. it wasn't working for her. She was so, she was terrified. She was, I mean, my God, she would do things like I remember in one, she took a thing of uh, those, those, those uh, spray cans of whipped cream and yeah, shot yeah. it all over the audience. Well, yeah, but I don't want to pay 10 bucks for a ticket. And then you have to go home and take a bath before I can go up. Yeah. She's it. But on film, it's marvelous. Yeah. yeah. Found it. But she went through 10 years where she was in debt. Yeah. On dope. So now people look at the stuff. And think, oh, look at that success. Look how lucky she is. She has yeah. a next thing. Oh, and I'm funnier than she is. You're right. You are funnier, but you didn't do the groundwork that she's yeah. done didn't hustle yeah people don't see that side of it people and do not see that side it's not hustling it's it's i don't like to call it hustling it's building mm -hmm. yeah. i'm building there's william david thoreau says build your castle a castle in the air and for me it's success in the in the performing world not necessarily comedy performing yep. mm -hmm. and then start building the steps that go up to it and what's yeah. going to happen is you build the steps and then right around here, there's where you're going and you start going over here. What am I doing over here? And then you yeah. think, hmm, this is interesting. And you keep going like this and you push the, the, the green over a yeah. little. That's life. Mm -hmm. There's a guy named Emmanuel. Jesus, what's his last name? He's, he's a very, um, uh, he's a doctor. He's a surgeon. 
And he wrote an essay saying, when I am 75, I'm killing myself because I have seen what happens to bodies at 75 and they're a fucking mess. And he's absolutely right. When I was 75 and I looked in the mirror, my body was a fucking mess. But I was also starting burlesque. I was learning to sing. I was learning to play the ukulele. I was uh, writing another, I'm sure I was writing another book. I'm always writing another book. I mm -hmm. was starting my, yeah. You don't know until you get there what it's like to be 75. What you see is not you. Because remember going all the way back to where we started, every person ages at a different rate and a yeah. different time. And I do not believe there's a, a thing, I think it was Somerset Mom who said, if you tell me where you were born, what your parents did for a living, and what their economic level is, I can tell you your future. That was so in the 20s and the 30s. Right. Thank the God I don't believe in. That's not so no. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely you can take who you are and you can make it into something you want, but you mm -hmm. got to do the groundwork. What is yeah. it? When I was uh, working uh, as a member, I worked, uh, I sold sex. I didn't know it, but I was, I was a telephone madam. And when we used to go use the restroom, there used to be a picture of a kid with toilet paper that said, it's never finished. The job is never finished till you do the paperwork. I love that. That's an old. Yeah. Yep. That's the truth. Yeah. You gotta do this, the work. And the work, ah, the work has to be pleasant. Mm. What I love about comedy is the doing. I'm not there yet. Yeah. What I love about writing the book is not the book, it's the writing of the book. Mm -hmm. I love it. Then Your passions I, in it. I love the, the building it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to live the same day over and over. Mm -hmm. In this building, those men I was talking about are living the same day over and over. Yeah. And then they go I, downhill quicker, I'd imagine. I don't know. Health-wise. Health it's even going to be as nice. Um, it's... Um, my idea of a happy ending, of course, all you young people have another idea of a happy ending, but my idea of a happy ending has for my life has changed dramatically since I was 20. And this Betty Friedan helped me realize, yeah, I don't want the same happily ever after that I wanted when I was 20. Yeah. Frankly, it would annoy me. I don't, don't mm -hmm. want that. I, I want recognition for my talent i want i i want i want to live in a different place because i want more i want a puppy i want these are the things i want now when i was 20 i didn't want a puppy i wanted a man yep <laughs> yeah. very different now a puppy pretty much fills the bill yeah fill the dish and put it on the floor you don't have to worry with a man you got to actually cook you actually talk yeah. to him huh. What am I going to do if he talks back? No, I want, <laughs> don't want that. I want a puppy yeah. where you put him on a leash and say, shut up. You're, uh, that's what I want. <laughs> um, I didn't want that when I was 20 or 30. Um, when I was 50, I just wanted a buddy. Mm. Now I don't want a buddy even because that gets in the way. I mean, what if he wants to do something I don't want to do? Yeah. I have to do it. <laughs> I'm yeah. not in cooperative living anymore. 
when I was 50, I was. You know, yeah. All right. What do you want? You know, it's what would you like to do tonight? Well, no, what do you want? Well, I don't want that. I know what I want. You want to come mm -hmm. along? That's fine. If not, stay home. I mean, I've always said that right now, if I had a partner uh, and the partner would say, well, let's have dinner at six. And I'd say, you have dinner at six. I've got things to do. Mm -hmm. That would not be too successful. Yeah. <laughs> I have a different happily ever after. Yeah. But I have yes. a happily ever after. Yeah, and that's all that matters. You adjust as it comes and, right. and as I'm time changes. And I'm we have more power than we think to get that happy ending. Cool. People don't believe that we have enough power. They think we're more victims to what happens rather we're than... not a victim. But yeah. this is the most important sentence in this whole conversation. We have the power to get that. Yeah. Not quickly. No, not, not easily. Smoothly. Not mm -hmm. smoothly, but there. You're yeah. going to have false starts because that's what life is about. Because nobody can predict the future. Nobody. What is it that they say? Um, yesterday is gone. Today is all you've got. Tomorrow isn't here yet. Mm -hmm. You can make a stab at controlling that tomorrow but you can't really do it. What if suddenly there's a thunderstorm? What yeah. if suddenly you, I mean, I remember that virus all of a sudden, everything, I was about to go to Dublin. You know, and I wrote my friends in Dublin and said, yes, I'll do it. Two days later, Dublin said, well, you might think you're gonna do it, but you can't get in. Yeah, I had a tour planned as well. Yes, mm. I couldn't do it. So then you think, well, I still want to do it when this thing ends. And then you think, I mean, for me, I'll be 87 and I will guess before it's really smooth, I'll be 88. And then I'm thinking, do I? Well, we'll see. I don't know, but mm -hmm. I know I want to do it now. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's On that note, Lynn, where, where can people find you? I'll leave all the, your book details in the show notes and everything like that in your website. Because I, I need to sell books. I have yeah. now sold all the books that I can sell from the contacts who know me. So mm -hmm. now I need to tap into that 6.2 million. Yeah. Have a crush on me. But um, I think it's a, it's a story that is uh, very interesting from people from all uh, boardwalks of life, to be it's honest. Wonderful. It's wonderful that you think so. You know, I think no one, um, no one thinks that they themselves are that unusual. Mm -hmm. I just did what the next day asked me to do. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I do have that I know other people don't have is I'm, I'm really happy. And, and this isn't ecstasy. This is happy. Mm -hmm. I like the life I have. Yeah. I have liked it. And it's been very different since I was 50. Oh, since yep. I was 48. Yeah, I think that's when I started liking it. Um, up until then, I just thought, if I hit my head against another wall, I'm going to have a concussion. There was a bam, bam, and nothing ever happened. And then I went back to California, and that's something else. I knew instinctively that California was where I should be. All of us know instinctively, but then we think, oh, yeah, to do it, I'll have to give up this, and it'll cost that. When I went to California, I had absolutely no money. And my father said to me, you're going to the highest cost of living in the United States, and you're living on 300 bucks a month. You can't do it. And I knew. And I said, I'm going there. I was happy there when I went to Stanford. I'm going there. 
Mm-hmm. Best decision I ever made in my life. And I defied everyone. Yeah. Trusted your instinct. And I'm telling you, you're in a relationship and now it's just dead end. Trust it. It'll be better out in the unknown. Mm -hmm. It it will be better because you'll be back in control. Yeah. You're in a job that is just the same old, same old, same old. Trust your instinct. Uh, my friend Peter Dunbar, God love him, he was in a, 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 a circle that just seemed to go on and on, and he decided, I'm breaking it, and he's going to go get a master's degree. Did, I did the same thing. Yeah. Do it. A departure. And there's going to be a time getting that master's degree where he's not going to be earning money. He was earning plenty of money. Mm-hmm. But he's building for a new one. Exactly. Often when we... Go. Sorry. But go ahead. Often when we come to these decisions where we're going to make a change or something like that, the, the mind can only measure what it can lose. So his income, his stability, these things, it can't measure what you can gain because it has no idea. Yes, but you you will gain. I yeah, for sure. That. That's But I think that's where fear comes from, which we shouldn't listen to. Right. And especially now, especially now, um. This, this control, this plastic surgery is, is a control. So is a lot of IVF. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take the chance and just have it. We're going to, we're going to make it happen. The, make most sure of it. the most invasive procedure. I cannot tell you. I shudder when I think of it. But you're in control. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let it happen. It's, it's, it, it can be very beautiful. Yeah. One of the things and, and that I've always said is I take a chance. I step, we call it stepping out of the box and maybe the worst will happen. And the truth is the worst did happen several times. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Still here. Still kicking. I'm still here. Yeah. That's one of my endings to my cabaret. I'm still here. Aren't I? Yeah. I'm still here. I Perfect. loved our conversation. Likewise, oh, thank so you very much for giving me your time. Uh, LynnRuthMiller.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram is LynnRuth82. Facebook is LynnRuthMiller. Um, Twitter is LynnRuth. Yep. Easy. Perfect. I'll put, I'll put all the details in with this uh, episode as well so people can just click and go straight to the book link or your website. Give me a link and I'll stick it on the... Uh, on all those links. No worries. No I worries. just love seeing you again, sweetheart. I'll say Likewise. Yeah. I hope I can see you in person very soon. We'll make that happen. We'll make yep. that happen. Perfect. Now. Well, there you have it, guys. Lynn Ruth Miller on the Ain't No Guru podcast. Quite a fascinating woman, isn't she? The conversation went absolutely everywhere, but I really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys got something out of it as well. If you did enjoy the episode, please consider sharing it around. That way more people can uh, click into some of uh, Lynn Roof's wisdom. It's not every day we have characters like this, so I think it's really fascinating, very inspiring. I will leave all the links for the show in the show notes. That way you can uh, go to Amazon and pick up Lynn Ruth Miller's book. If you're interested, I highly recommend that. You can also go to Rankin comedy.com to follow the podcast above all else guys please take care i've been james rankin i'll catch you next time cheers